It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth. In America, wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Today, instead of focusing on the hate that seems to be dripping off the followers of Jesus in their room, in this room, and from their kids in our schools, I wanted to take the time. Oh wait. Let them reveal who they are. Let them be. Let them be damaged by their own words. We ask again that you respect each other, and everyone is allowed to speak. The Western culture and values that brought forth Christianity in the founding documents are being called evil and racist. You're not the captain, we're your bosses, and God willing, we'll return most of you to the private sector very soon. I'm reminded of the tyranny of communist China, where your money is legally stolen and then used in government schools, not public schools, these are not public schools, these are government schools, like here, to indoctrinate children against their parents. My child is not oppressed. And don't assume that. As long as you Marxists push your unconstitutional agenda on my child, she will not be returning back to Loudoun County Schools. A little bit of what it sounded like last night in Loudoun County as hundreds of parents, both pro and con, a CRT, came to descend on the uh, uh, the uh, board and tell them exactly what they thought. There were 259 people who signed up for public comments. Only 51 voices were heard because they shut down the meeting. Two people were arrested. It was uh, a kind of a wild time. And let me just say before I start explaining, I'm reading a lot of things this morning and I may not have the chronology because I wasn't there. If any of you were there, we're going to open the phone lines. If any of you were there, Call us. I don't want just to comment on what you read about it. I want to know if you were there, uh, what you saw and what you heard. And our phone number is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. Okay, so I'm uh, reading from a Fox account now. And it said, uh, the, of course, there have been weeks of protests from parents in Loudoun. This is not the first time they've been implementing, as I told you yesterday at great length, uh, they've been t- working on this for a long time. They're claiming that uh, critical race theory is not part of their curriculum. It isn't. It's part of everything they're doing. They've uh, spent tons of money bringing in consultants. They've implemented all kinds of things uh, to weave this into everything they do in the schools. So it may not be a, uh, there may not be a course called critical race theory, but trust me, uh, they're into uh, forcing uh, children who are white to apologize for their whiteness and uh, to make amends for it, and to tell black children that somehow they, uh, you know, they've been oppressed and put down all these years by their white friends. It's just, it's amazing. It's poison, uh, and um, they are, you know, they're changing the curriculum and history, as are so many of the other schools as well, uh, to focus on uh, the, you know, slavery and all the racist past. So there's a lot more to say about that. Oh, I, you know, there's this one thing. They try to do this at uh, the Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology. It's the nation's top-ranked 
uh, a science and technology school. And a superintendent, Scott Bratband, uh, who had previously eliminated the executive role of chief academic officer in exchange for chief equity officer, announced the revised admissions plan to reduce the number of Asian students at a selective governor's at that selective governor's high school. That was just one of the many things that's happened. So they were actually uh, because it wasn't fair uh, that uh, Chinese or Asian students should you know they perform so well and it was merit based before. Uh, that they should now be eliminated because it should be a race-based choice to make everything fair. That's just one of the many things that's happened. I um I want to go back to the meeting, though, last night. So lots of people came, and my understanding is, and this because I've experienced this, trust me, uh, that they handpicked, uh, probably, likely, several people to speak first. And then when the, the parents, uh, really, the parents themselves actually began to find their voice, Really, all all uh, all hell broke loose, and I think probably the biggest thing that happened was when a former um, state senator, Dick Black, uh, came. And part of this was not about critical race theory. Part of it was about all this uh, transgender nonsense that they've been trying to force on their schools, uh, privacy and restroom accommodations that would require Loudoun County public school employees to use students' preferred names and pronouns. Um, and so that's supposed to go into, they're going to vote on that August the 10th. So that was part of the conversation also. Again, 259 residents spoke up to speak, um, and people were lined up at the doors. So the first half, uh, half dozen speakers, as I told you, this is the way it usually goes. In fact, this isn't as bad as I've seen it happen in other school districts. Just a half a dozen, well, usually they, usually this is what they do. At least my experience in the northwest suburbs of Chicago was that they would hand out like, 50 numbers, and they give the first 50 to people that uh, supported whatever they wanted to advance. And then the rest of it, then they would, you know, call the meeting over or, you know, barely let people who opposed it speak. But at least they only had half a dozen speakers. And then a Dick Baker came to speak. And I want to just uh, say that uh, my understanding is that they had put a Christian student, I'll read this, uh, the board meeting comes days after the district confined a Christian student to a small room during school-wide periods of transgender-themed lessons that his family had objected to based on their faith. And after a court ordered the district to reinstate a suspended phys ed teacher who spoke out against the proposed new transgender policy at a board meeting last month. And we're going to get to that in just a second. Uh, but when Dick Baker stood up to speak, this is what it sounded like. I want you to listen. Clip five. I'm retired Senator Dick Black of Ashburn, Virginia. You retaliated against Tanner Cross by yanking him from teaching for addressing a public hearing of this board. The judge ordered you to reinstate Mr. Cross because if his comments were not protected speech, then free speech does not exist at all. It's absurd and immoral for teachers to call boys girls and girls boys. You're making teachers lie to students, and even kids know that it's wrong. This board has a dark history of suppressing free speech. They caught you red-handed with an enemies list to punish opponents of critical race theory. You're teaching children to hate others because of their skin color, and you're forcing them to lie about other kids' gender. I am disgusted by your bigotry and your depravity. 
Joe Mobley to be followed by Donna Russell. All right, so that's just part of it. And you see that they cut him off. As my understanding that a lot of the parents at that time then just started singing Star Spangled Banner uh, when the board members kind of shut down the meeting at that point. Um, it's, isn't it amazing that people cannot actually say what they think without being shut down? Uh, and that's what's happening. And listen, I'm telling you, this has been happening for decades. This is really not new. The thing that's new is that parents are waking up. That's the part that's new. And I have to say, I'm thrilled. I, I saw my... When I was in the northwest suburbs, oh, I have to be too specific here. I was teaching out of high school there. Well, I'll tell you, it was Barrington High School in the northwest suburbs. That's where Willow Creek, that very large uh, a church led by Bill Hybels, which was my church at the time, uh, was was located. And uh, they began. They were showing in the the library. I went in there one day for some purpose. I was teaching voice in in Barrington High School. I went inside, and they had pictures suspended from the ceiling of um, gay men uh, who were not clothed wearing uh, condoms of various bright colors, black and white pictures with these, uh, like, neon-colored condoms. In the, in the library of Barrington High School, well, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, really, I, but I, I just want you to know that I went to people that I knew who were in positions of influence and power and begged them to do something, and they wouldn't do anything. Uh, the school board, they started to have school board meetings, and a smattering of parents would speak up. This was just part of it. Again, it was curriculum. It was all the obscene things that were kids were being exposed to, and um, I couldn't get anyone to take action. Uh, Deerfield High School in northwest suburbs of Chicago had horrendous things happening. And this is, again, this is a long time ago. Um, they were having the kids do pornographic uh, plays and musicals. Uh, they were giving them information to read that I could not read on the radio. I couldn't pronounce the words. I couldn't repeat what they were teaching. This has been happening for a long time. I don't say that to shame anyone. I just want you to have some background and understanding. And thank God, thank God, parents are waking up. So let's continue with what happened last night in Loudoun County. Now, uh, Dick Baker uh, brought up, Tanner Cross, the teacher, who was suspended. And you will remember, we played this for you, but I want you to hear. It's only, like, it's only 30 seconds. Uh, Tanner stood before the school board. He, I think he's a phys ed teacher. And this is what he said uh, probably about a month ago. This is clip six. It's not my intention to hurt anyone, but there are certain truths that we must face when ready. We condemn school policies like 8040 and 8035 because it will damage children, defile, defile the holy image of God. I love all of my students, but I will never lie to them regardless of the consequences. I'm a teacher, but I serve God first, and I will not affirm that a biological boy can be a girl and vice versa because it's against my religion, it's lying to a child, it's abuse to a child, and it's sinning against our God. All right, so Tanner was fired for that. Uh, he had to be reinstated after that over, you know, over the, the authorities, uh, over them, told them they had to reinstate him. But that's part of what the fabric of what's been going on in Loudoun County. All right, so um, so teach, they suspend they suspended the meeting. Then they started the meeting again, and people began to speak up and give their testimonies. Uh, last night on Laura Ingram, uh, she featured two parents. Let's see if I have time to do this. Uh, this is the first one, Ian Pryor, uh, and um, I just want you to hear what he had to say. He was at the meeting. Let's listen. Clip four. 
We, we got word last week, you know, yeah, they had about yeah, 10 or 15 party, speakers yeah. that we think they gave the, the jump to to sign up. And then it was like 30 speakers that were that were coming out, talking about their issues, exercising their First Amendment right. And God forbid somebody applauded. Now, applauding is a First Amendment right. There was no, you know, there were no issues with clapping here. And they shut it down. And we knew that they were going to do this. They tried to do it in the last school board meeting. Look, their motto is silence the opposition. When they hear voices that they don't agree with, that don't align with their activist friends or the special interests supporting these school board members, they shut them down. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, they do. And uh, as a matter of fact, they even create lists. Uh, Some of the school board members have been accused of, and some of the parents that are trying to fight this are saying that school board members and politicians and leftist activists in the community have made lists of conservative parents in an effort they feel uh, they suspect to dox and uh, to to make their lives miserable. So it's it's gotten really really uh, appalling over there. Let's listen to um, she had a sec- Laura had a second mom on there last night. It's Amy Jar, and uh, she, they were these were her comments about what happened in the meeting. Let's listen. Clip three. Tonight was um, our school board meeting on steroids, but it has been typical like this all year, silencing us every time we try to speak, every time we try to write emails, they don't answer us. Um, it, 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 it erupted. Emotions were high tonight, for sure. It was the last school, school board meeting. There were 250 people signed up to speak, and they shut us down right after uh, Dick Black stood up and spoke. And he is a retired senator here in Virginia, Republican senator. And as soon as we all erupted in, in cheering and applauding, uh, she shut it down. She shut it down. And they said it would be done for the night, which is not true. I actually just checked in before I came on. Uh, they are still continuing the board meeting. And as a matter of fact, right before I came in here, they were actually applauding the superintendent and the, and the nine board members that are there were applauding for uh, new hires that were being uh, discussed at the meeting. All right. So that was Amy Jar. Just a little bit of her comments. I have other things to say about this. Other important things. So stay tuned. We'll come back in just a second. That was Loudoun County last night. Uh, but just some perspective on it. Two people were arrested uh, they tried, the police, I, I saw just, a, you know, you can't tell in a brief exchange, but it appeared that the police came in doing the bidding of the school board and were dragging this one parent off. And they asked him if he would stop, you know, talking because, and he said, no, I won't. This is my First Amendment rights. And so they, they dragged him off. I don't know if they were actually arrested, but they certainly were removed. So it was pretty, uh, pretty wild. We'll come back with more of it in a second. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk. Perfect little hands and perfect little feet. Can you hear that? That's her little heart beating. I had no idea I had a little baby girl in there. With little fingers and little toes. I didn't know at all she was so real. They told me she wasn't a baby and should be aborted. Now, I could never. This ultrasound gives you a glimpse of God's perfect design and the good work He has begun with you. You both have intrinsic worth and value and are loved beyond measure. Life-changing transformation happens in the communities that need us most. That's exactly why ICU Mobile chooses to go. Four of five women in our mobile units see their ultrasound and choose life. Visit us now at icumobile.org to make a life-saving contribution. Or text LIVES to 45777. That's L-I-V-E-S to 45777. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. 
Today, we pray for Jeffrey Mayo, Acting Assistant Secretary at the Office of Public and Intergovernmental Affairs. He helps provide oversight of human resources, security, and preparedness. 1 Corinthians 14.40 reminds us of the importance of good management. But all things should be done decently and in order. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Jeffrey Mayo. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting "Go Visit" to the number 49596. Again, that's "Go Visit" to the number 49596. If you send your kid to public university, there's a good chance he's going to return home as a flag-burning communist. That's according to a new study from North Dakota State University. They asked liberal students and conservative students about their opinions on America. 73% of conservatives say they are proud to be an American, but liberals, well, not so much. 57% of the leftist children said they're ashamed of our nation, ashamed of the land of the free. The percentages shocked even the professors who conducted the study. Past surveys showed that most Americans were proud to be American, regardless of their political affiliation. North Dakota State also found liberal students believe there should be crackdowns on free speech, and only 9%, 9% favored capitalism, only 13% opposed socialism. So here's what's going on. Socialists are using our tax dollars to fundamentally transform our nation from the home of the brave to the home of the woke. I'm Todd Starnes. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. In the words of Martin Luther King Jr., I have a dream that my four little children will one day live a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Now I have a dream that we will implement love, not hate, or supporting another Jim Crow's agenda. CRT is not an honest dialogue. It is a tactic that was used by Hitler and the Ku Klux Klan on slavery very many years ago to dumb down my ancestors so we could not think for ourselves. CRT is racist. It is abusive. It discriminates against one's color. Let me educate you. An honest dialogue does not impress, oppress. An honest dialogue does not implement hatred or injustice. It's to communicate with deceiving without deceiving people. Today, we don't need your agreement. We want action in the backbone for what we asked for today, to ban CRT. We don't want your political advertisement to divide our children or belittle them. Think twice before you indoctrinate such racist theories. You cannot tell me what is or is not racist. Look at me. I had to come down here today to tell you to your face that we are coming together and we are strong. This will not be the last. Greet and meet respectfully. Yeah, so that was another parent of Loudoun County expressing her opinion to the school board. And so, uh, again, it's not, uh, here I go, but, you know, I guess I have to say this often. Um, And that is, this is not about race. 
This whole business about critical race theory and the teaching of it is not about race. It's mostly white leftists pushing it, some black ones too, but most of these school boards, are they're all white. And there are black parents who are having a fit as that one, and there are white parents who are having a fit because that's what unites us. We are people. It doesn't matter about our skin. We have the same passions. Character is inside. It's not outside. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And so these are our brothers and sisters in battle. It has nothing to do with their skin color. All right, I want to just close this part of our discussion with this. This is a uh, just a comment by Hugo Gurdon, who's the editor-in-chief of the Washington Examiner. I just think it's good. He says, like magma erupting through the Earth's crust, superheated parental anger is cracking the natural disinclination of ordinary people to speak up on controversial issues. Videos of parents confronting uh, an education establishment that has been entirely captured by the radical left are going viral so often that they become a new social media genre. This is a counter-revolution that might topple the edifice of left-wing lies about our culture and our country. To switch metaphors, the ideological abuse of school children might be a bridge too far. The fatal overreach by left-wing bullies, these militants may, as a result, be thwarted in their repellent efforts to make ours a less successful and less admirable nation. They reckoned on ordinary Americans remaining docile, like those proverbial frogs in gradually heated water. But they have probably miscalculated. I love that. I love it. I love it. Parents all over the country are fighting. Uh, just one word, just one heads up to all of you who are, you know, really kind of waking up maybe to things that are happening in the country for the first time. Thank God you are. Let me warn you, though, that the left is very long-suffering, and they set their goals and their plans for decades to come, and they plod along. And when they are defeated, they go back into the corner like cockroaches. But as soon as they see an opportunity, here they come again. And so you have to be as steadfast and as diligent in watching. Uh, if you should have a victory wherever you are, and these victories are going to be hard to win. You might, in these school board elections coming up, there's lots of victories around the country. I've mentioned often, you know, the, the um, Wisconsin and that county there that's had such great success. And there are other school boards where the conservatives have kind of routed out the lefties. And that's a good thing, and that's what we have to do. But just be aware that they are not going to stop. They just keep coming back. And that might say to, you might say to yourself, well, I, you know, I just, oh, then why try? No, 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 no. You know, um, one thing I had to learn over the period of a couple of decades was that God values endurance. I used to wonder about that because, okay, I'm going to get personal here. Uh, my, my, the thing I was experiencing was just the daily care of my severely disabled child. And over the course of 20 years, it was hard. And um, I got tired and I got discouraged and I was depressed and all kinds of things, all the things you can imagine. And it was hard, you know, how could I, just every day. So I had to just take one day at a time, sometimes one moment at a time, uh, with the stress of her illnesses and all of that. Uh, but I really kind of saw for the first time in Scripture that Jesus endured the cross. It just grabbed me that Jesus Christ endured the cross. He endured it. He took it to the end. He 
finished his work. He did not say, oh, I'm too tired, this is too much, I've already tried. And uh, so uh, I'm just encouraging all of you to take on the mindset of endurance. Uh, We have really lived such cushy lives, haven't we? We really have. We have lived in a country where we've been able to indulge our interests, our appetites, um, our whims. Uh, it's it's amazing. I often say that we, we don't even know thirst anymore because we carry a drink, uh, you know, around in our hands all the time. Our children have no idea what it's like to be a little hungry. They're snacking. They're eating. Neither do their parents. You know, we don't even remember that bodies and things have those kinds of needs because we we don't allow ourselves to even suffer in that way. So it's hard for us to imagine uh, enduring during difficult and difficulty, and I think that's why we have so much trouble, depression, handling trouble. You know, in other generations, you know, parents. I'll, and I'll talk about my situation for a second. This also occurred to me that parents lost lots of children. They had lots of sickness and illness. Men lost lots of wives through childbirth. You know, a life was very hard, and people just they had to gut up. They had to man up. We've lost that ability. We have become. Well, we're not. We we can do it. We can do it, and that's what I'm telling you to just reconsider in your own mind. You know, and I have to do the same thing. I've become so indulged myself, so I'm not putting it on you. It's on me too. But we need to take on the mindset of endurance and in this for the long haul. We are there to finish the course, to run the race. Uh, that's what we're there for. And so that applies to you fighting back at these school boards and all the things that you may be fighting in your own place. Now, I want to mention Iowa is in the middle of this. We need to do an interview on this, but Iowa has outlawed critical race theory. But already this report is saying that um, there's an education agency that's now working diligently to plan on how they can introduce critical race theory without breaking the law and, you know, defying the legislature uh, of Iowa and also the governor who signed that law. So that's a story we'll be following. Also, uh, on the other side of the coin, Ron DeSantis yesterday announced new state programs that uh, would require civics and patriotism education. And he said, once students graduate high school, some will go to college, some of them will do other things. Whatever you do, this civics is going to be relevant because you're going to be a citizen. It requires high school students to learn about the evils of communism and totalitarian ideologies. There's a lot more to his statement, but you can see that all states are not alike. All governors are not alike. We do have a Tenth Amendment, as I've said before, which is states' rights. Every state can have its own personality. But this, of course, is why so many people are flocking to Florida. But you can do that in your own state, and that's what we're preaching is that local activism. Get involved where you are in your schools. That's a great place to start or whatever is happening in your city. You know, there could be something else. Like, remember I played that clip for you yesterday of this uh, city in, in Colorado where the mayor is was outlawing to the uh, uh, board of, it was a different, it was a board, one of the boards in that city was not allowing them to say the Pledge of Allegiance and they just stood up and said it anyway in mass. So whatever your battle is, uh, all of these things apply, including endurance. All right, so, um, okay, so uh, now we're going to change the subject because I've got so much to tell you. What else is new? Uh, Jan Psaki uh, had an interesting statement yesterday in a press conference, and uh, it had to do with Biden's determination to get young Americans vaccinated. So let's listen. So what is the game plan for getting young people vaccinated in greater numbers? Let me give you a couple of uh, examples of what we're working on. It's not just Dr. Fauci on TikTok, though that is happening. So 
Um, uh, Dr. Fauci has done several Q&As with TikTok and Instagram uh, influencers uh, to answer questions, to meet people where they are, including young people, give them information they need. Uh, CDC's COVID vaccine chat on WhatsApp is now live to help Spanish-speaking young adults get vaccinated. Uh, we're working with the private sector as well. As you all know, Microsoft is giving away Xboxes at boys and girls clubs. Uh, the College Challenge is rallying university students across the country. Walgreens is giving out $25 to anyone who gets vaccinated there before July 4th. Uh, these are just a couple of examples of some of the approaches we're taking. We'll build on that from there. What we've all, what we'll also note is that we're seeing the same challenges that we've seen in other groups, which is that access and making it as easy as possible is the name of the game. And so, uh, continuing to um, <clears throat> uh, re, uh, to uh, support our pharmacy program, to support our mobile vaccination units, to make this uh, the vaccine as accessible to young people. They lead busy lives. We want this to be uh, just a just a just a, a a box they can check on their weekend to-do list. Yeah, so uh, just a box they can do on their weekend checklist. They're, they're just talk about a turning a blind eye to the problems. I want to um, just tell you some specific things. All right, so there. We, uh, so what? Dr. Fauci is now on TikTok trying to persuade kids to hack vaccines, and they're giving free Xboxes uh, to kids to, to try to get them to be vaccinated. Okay. Uh, that uh, against this, this is really bizarre to me because Dr. Fauci loves the World Health Organization. It's just, you know, it's the, you know, it's the gold standard, the World Health Organization. And you know that, you know, the history, uh, President Trump defunded the World Health Organization because they were controlled by the Chinese. And, uh, we know that, you know, Boutros, whatever his name is, was the head of it. And he's very much controlled by the Chinese that they gave us horrible information that they claimed China had nothing to do with the COVID virus, that the Wuhan lab wasn't responsible, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Nevertheless, the World Health Organization themselves are now saying there is not yet enough evidence on the use of vaccines against COVID-19 in children to make recommendations for children to be vaccinated against COVID-19. They say on their website, um, children and adolescents tend to have milder diseases compared to adults. Children should not be vaccinated for the time being, according to childrensdefense.org. This is what the World Health Organization is saying. We better, you know, we don't have much evidence, but Joe Biden is just moving right on. So is Dr. Fauci. Uh, and it, it's just, it is, um, it is defying uh, what, what's happening with him and defies common sense. I want to also, this is a related story. Twitter decided to lock the news site of a woman who talks about her teen son, or actually it's a nephew, I think, who died after the vaccine. This is National File reported this story. Uh, the report that triggered the action from Twitter, Twitter uh, removed this. They wouldn't let the woman tell her story. Included claims from a woman named Tammy Barrages, who said her nephew died after getting the vaccine. Our family is devastated. I struggle with putting this out on Twitter. I am pro-vaccine. We vaccinated my own 14-year-old son as soon as it was available. I know it is mostly safe, but Jacob is dead now. But they deleted her tweet. And again, the World Health Organization, meanwhile is uh, stipulating that most COVID-19 vaccines should not be given to children. Uh, nevertheless, an advisory panel in May advised the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention that Pfizer's vaccine could be administered to children under 12 years and younger. And I told you Pfizer is trying to develop one for six-month-old babies. 
All right, but let's go back to Twitter. So Twitter will not would not allow this woman to say what she said. We I can't verify her story, uh, but isn't Twitter like free? Uh, well, I realize that what I'm saying is not happening, uh, but they should be allowing the free expression of people's experiences. There's just no reason to uh, take that off. In fact, uh, several weeks ago, a Twitter account of former campaign aide to President Bill Clinton, Naomi Wolf, was permanently suspended because a Twitter said um, that she was sharing dis- misinformation about COVID-19 vaccines. So Twitter's doing their part. Facebook has done their part. So that your friends and neighbors, I, when I go out and I see all these people masked up, I wonder, don't they, don't they know what the latest is? Don't they understand what's happening here? But they don't. Uh, they don't because the information is still being uh, withheld from them. I also want to now bring you back to this story that I shared with you in part yesterday, that heart problems in vaccinated students have triggered medical and legal scrutiny of campus COVID mandates. Um, there are, there's uh, uh, The Just the News had a long story about this. Myocarditis is something that seems to be affecting uh, young men. Uh, and in Israel, they've tracked uh, uh, more than one death. I don't know how many exactly, but more than one death from this and uh, students are, or young men especially, are developing this. I told you yesterday about a student at Northwestern, a female who died uh, after her second vaccine. And so more and more uh, professionals are talking about this. And so on the heels of that, you know that universities, and I, 500 at least, American universities are forcing returning students to have the COVID vaccine before they can return. As far as I know, that hasn't changed. And it may have, it may have but I don't know about it. And so here's a story out of Indiana University. Uh, Indiana University students compare COVID vaccine mandate to the Tuskegee experiment in a lawsuit. The Tuskegee experiment is when they allowed black soldiers to be um, uh, infected with syphilis uh, without their knowledge. And uh, it's, it's an infamous trial that happened, I think, back in the 50s. And so these students, there's a group of them who are suing the school Uh, comparing the mandate to the U.S. government's Tuskegee study that intentionally withheld treatment from African Americans unknowingly infected with syphilis. The students also object to the strict mitigation measures required for those who have received medical or religious exemptions, including continuing wearing of face masks and twice-weekly testing for novel coronavirus. The point of the story is that the students, some of them, at Indiana University are suing the university for forcing them, trying to force them to get vaccines. So, uh, there, that's good. That's a good thing. We need that. All right. There's more always to say about COVID, but for that, for now, we'll leave that subject and turn our attentions to election updates. Stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning. Are you in need of hope, encouragement, and the love of God? I'm Pastor Salem. I'd like to invite you to join us for the Christian Worship Hour. For decades, I've been teaching the Word of God so that people everywhere can experience the love and power of a personal relationship with our Lord. Tune into this station this weekend and prepare to be blessed and encouraged by another life-changing message. Learn more about our program at ChristianWorshipHour.com. Oh, Lord, please let me make it. Please, Lord. Come on, come on. American Family Association or American Family Radio. I missed the show again. Can't find the time to catch the live shows? No worries. Wait, what? You can listen and download all your favorite shows for free. For free? That's right, for free. Just visit the podcast page on AFR.net. Ooh, Lord. AFR.net.
from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. It's not by chance that Jesus refers to his church as the body. Just as it is with our physical bodies, every member has a distinct role and function to fulfill. Unfortunately, in this era of celebrity Christianity, we've reduced the concept of ministry solely to what occurs and what is often little more than Sunday productions and performances. The key to thriving in God's kingdom is understanding that every member in the body of Christ is vital and is called to ministry. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Brian Fisher here with today's Life and Liberty Minute. Evidence continues to mount that lockdowns, the tool of choice among power-hungry politicians during COVID, may not have helped but made things worse. USC and the RAND Corporation examined data from 43 countries and all 50 states. The study notes, quote, we failed to find that shelter-in-place policies saved lives, end quote. In fact, they actually contributed to an across-the-board increase in avoidable deaths. This is in part due to the fact that most COVID spread occurred at home, making shelter-in-place orders especially harmful. Politicians always tell us they can solve our problems if we just give them more power. The lesson from COVID, the more power we give to our elected officials, the more trouble they will cause for us. As Thomas Jefferson said, that government which governs least governs best. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. The Iranian mullahs have chosen a serial murderer as their regime's next president and supreme leader in waiting. At such a moment, Israel's most seasoned premier, Benjamin Netanyahu, has been replaced by a fragile coalition dominated by leftists and Islamists. And the Biden administration is determined to appease our enemies in Tehran and undermine our friends in the Middle East. A second opinion on U.S. policy towards this increasingly dangerous region is clearly needed. Fortunately, Senator Ted Cruz has just returned from the region, where he imparted a sense of solidarity to allies and steadfast opposition towards our adversaries. The senator will provide an exclusive debriefing about his trip and its findings and what he proposes to do about them during a Center for Security Policy webinar at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday. Register to participate in this most timely presentation at securefreedom.org. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. The Democrat-backed voting rights bill, dubbed the For the People Act, was opposed by Senate Republicans from the start. I think you could appropriately title it the Fool the People Act. And evenly divided, the Vice, Vice President, President Kamala Harris, the president's point person on voting rights, presided over the chamber as the GOP blocked debate on the bill. What this is really about is an effort for the federal government to take over the way we conduct elections. The bill would expand automatic voter registration and early voting and partisan gerrymandering and make Election Day a national holiday. But Senate Democrats were unable to secure the 60 votes required to overcome a Republican filibuster. Democrats will never let this voter suppression be swept under the rug. 
The push for a federal voting rights law comes as 48 states are considering nearly 400 Republican-backed bills that would restrict voting. Across the South, grassroots activists organize freedom rights like those during the civil rights movement, concerned the proposals could again make it harder for people of color at the ballot box. It's Jim Crow 2.0. It's the same impact and the same patterns, and, and, and that's why we're fighting it. Experts say Congress is running out of time ahead of next year's midterms. Soon we're going to be in the 2022 election cycle. The districts will be drawn very shortly. And at that point, it gets very difficult to, to pass election reforms. That was a CBS report. Okay, so here they go again. Uh, because, you know, black Americans, they, they can't, you know, they need help. They can't really get IDs. You know, so we we can't uh, insist that people have voter ID because that because black Americans, you know, they can't this talk about racist talk about racist. No wonder how black Americans are so mad about how the left treats them. I'm mad about how the left treats them. And uh, they use this constantly as a wedge uh, and they use it to unsuspecting black citizens who have no idea what the, the nuts and bolts are here. It's just it's twisted. Just very twisted. But uh, but let me just say that, of course, that is on its face good news. What they said is uh, that the For the People Act, SR1, was uh, defeated last night. But don't get too excited. Let me just tell you a few things. First of all, uh, Joe Manchin did what he always does. He's against it. He's against it. He's against it. But then he decided he would vote with the Democrats uh, to bring it to a vote. And so uh, that's what Joe always does. He blusters about how he's got all these principles, but he really, in reality, has very few principles that I can tell. He caves on everything. So he uh, decided, he said, he, he said that what he had done, he had created an, um, an alternate form of the bill that would uh, assure more, more voter ID. But the problem is that it doesn't look like anything has really changed in the text of the bill. It's just Joe said, it's a, it gives Joe a cover. He can say that he tried to make the bill better uh, when he hasn't really done that, and that gives him an excuse to go along and vote with them. And so the vote ended up being 50 to 50, which means that uh, if they had taken a vote on that, uh, uh, Kamala Harris would have voted to break that tie. Uh, but the Republicans did invoke cloture, which means they you have to have 60 votes in order to, to take a vote on the vote. You have to vote to vote. And they don't have, the Democrats don't have 50 votes, They uh, 60, they have 50. So they stopped that. So what's going to happen next? Well, what's going to happen next? I think you're going to see a fight now over the filibuster, a vicious fight. And we have two holdouts. The filibuster, again, I know these are t- we're Washington terms, but let me say it again more slowly. The filibuster is a device in the Senate uh, long used by the minority uh, to kind of tap down things that they think, uh, it's kind of been a gentleman's agreement, a- an agreement by both sides that they, there needs to be some agreement on this stuff. And when it's something that's really off the charts, there needs to be kind of a, 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 a some kind of a gauge, some time, a kind of way to stop uh, the majority party from just rolling over the minority party. So it's been used very well for the last several decades, but now... Um, the left, of course, wants to do away with it. If they do away with it, they will do every imaginable, unimaginable, uh, pass every bit of legislation that will make your hair curl, like uh, the Equality Act, uh, like this voter, this For the People Act, which will mean there'll be no more free elections. Uh, they will do away with voter ID. They will expand 
um, mail-in voting, it will be as corrupt as the presidential election was this year, and that is their aim. So, uh, so the filibuster is what stands in the way of that. And now Joe Manchin has said, "Oh, he's you know not against it. He's against ending the filibuster. He said that and said that." But I, I have no faith. I have personally no faith that Joe Manchin will stand against the pressure that will be brought. He, he loves the attention, and he's certainly getting it. The other person that's standing against it is Kristen Cinema. But when you read from Arizona, but when you read against uh, her objections, she's talking philosophically. She says she's in favor of this for the for the people act. She's in favor of the act itself, but she just says that the filibuster, you know, is a way that we've and she's right. Historically it's been used to stop bad legislation and what will happen if Republicans have the a majority and they there's no filibuster, just think what they might do. And uh, that's that's a good argument, but it's not an argument that makes me think that she will stand strong when she begins to be pressured because that's it's not really principled. It's not principled in the deep way. It's not a moral argument. It's a procedural principle. Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota texted this or tweeted this. An archaic Senate rule cannot get in the way of protecting our democracy. The filibuster is not worth it. So incredible uh, pressure is going to come on Kirsten Cinema and on Joe Manchin. I think Joe will cave, and I think Kirsten might also, because, again, her, her objection is not like a moral one. It's a procedural uh, conviction that she has. And I think I think we're in danger still. I'm just telling you, I would not take it to the. I would not break out the champagne right now, uh, not on the vote that took place last night. And I think this is a battle that's going to be breaking out this week, uh, further. I want to go back now. Yesterday, I did a bit of an overview for you of things that were happening in these election recounts and just more information about the states. There's more this morning, so uh, allow me to kind of give you a kind of an update on this. Out of Wisconsin. You remember, Wisconsin had all kinds of nonsense that happened, but they again, they did not have a, a friendly legislature, so they there was only far so far they could go, plus they had a, a Supreme Court justice that stabbed them in the back, who was a conservative. They worked hard. The, the, the conservatives had worked hard to get him instated, uh, and he basically stabbed them in the back on every turn about the, the skullduggery that happened there. And I'll give you an idea of the skullduggery. Brown County Clerk Sandy Juno. Uh, was has been, I think, for 22 years doing elections in Green Bay and other places close by. She's now retired, but she was uh, still active on that night. And so this is what she says. She said, a political activist working for a group funded by Mark Zuckerberg uh, seized control of the November elections in Green Bay and other cities, sidelining career experts and making last-minute changes that may have violated state law. They had no business doing that. Sandy Juno told Just the News, recounting how funding from the Zuckerberg-backed Center for Tech and Civic Life injected chaos and unnecessary changes to how ballots were counted in Green Bay in November. We did talk about this. I need to remind you, Zuckerberg and his wife, Priscilla Chan, spent, uh, I think, a half a billion dollars. Uh, the idea was to help us during a time of COVID. We need to make sure our elections are fair and free. And they poured tons of money into uh, these states these key states that had really nefarious things happening on election night. They brought in workers all under the guise of helping. Uh, but it many times, well, I couldn't, I'll let Sandy explain in her own words because she understands it better than I do. Uh, 22 years. Yeah. She's administering her county's elections has been. Uh, she said that um, the election management in green Bay was turned on its head last year after a massive infusion of cash from this uh, Zuckerberg entity. 
The group poured millions of dollars into multiple key Wisconsin Democratic strongholds in the months leading up to last year's presidential race, ostensibly in an effort to shore up voting systems and infrastructure amid the COVID pandemic. The organization was ultimately funded. Okay, I've already told you that. Uh, and it it happened in Atlanta, too. Uh, Zuckerberg poured a ton of money there. Juno claimed that following the infusion of the cash into Green Bay, the mayor's office and chief of staff began taking over election functions. That's not something under state statute they have the authority to do. Because under Wisconsin law, municipal clerks and county clerk and Wisconsin election commissioners are the individuals charged with running elections. As we got closer to the November election, we found out that this outside group had come in and was basically trying to redo our forms and documents, and these people were from out of state and had no business doing that. And then she goes on, uh, that just an interesting article in Just the News, and that was an, upstate, an update on what happened in Wisconsin. By the way, Pennsylvania, I think yesterday, the House approved an election reform bill. Uh, Governor Tom Wolf has to go to the Senate now, and I think... I do. I think Pennsylvania has a pretty good House and Senate, but they have a uh, you know a leftist governor, Tom Wolf. So this is what uh, this is what Tom Wolf had to say. I'm going to make sure this is his state. No, this is not his statement. He's already he has threatened to veto it. But state government committee minority chairwoman Margot Davidson said, as if the bloody attempted coup on January 6th was not enough, now the losers of the 2020 election want to legislate voter suppression. Let's get real. This bill is going to be vetoed, and it should be rightfully vetoed because it makes it harder for people to vote and easier to cheat. Of course, that's not true. It's a lie. Uh, It will make it harder to vote for people that are not eligible to vote because you'll have to have an ID, an enhanced ID, according to this bill. But, of course, we know that black Americans can't get IDs. It's too hard. They can't, you know, what, read? They can't drive? What? Really? Uh, So, um I certainly uh, illegal immigrants can't and immigrants can't, but I uh, listen personally, this is no one's asked me, but I'm telling you, I don't think if you can, if you cannot speak English and you're not, uh, if you don't understand the basic laws and rules and election, uh, the governance of this country shouldn't be voting. And that includes graduates who are American born. If they don't understand the system, there should be a test for voting. I know that's controversial because it was used against uh, black slaves. And so, um, but I think a rightful test to make us, good citizens, so that we know what we're doing and we understand uh, on at least on a, a elementary level what we're doing and how our country works. We shouldn't be voting. We shouldn't have interpreters coming in. How can I, I lived in Germany for several years, and I could barely speak German. It wasn't until I learned to speak some German that I actually felt at home there and could understand kind of the culture and what was going on. You cannot understand what's going on in your country if you don't speak the language. But but I am uh, I'm ranting now. So let me go back. Uh, Georgia. I told you there had been uh, an auditor who was assigned by Raffensperger, the Secretary of State, uh, to go in and oversee the elections. But ironically, Raffensperger, Brad, has been really bad. He just has. Uh, he has. He said that, that the Georgia election, that was the best they'd ever had, the fairest, the most complete. And it's just, a, uh, I think, not true, based on his auditor, his hand-picked auditor's assessment, who kept notes like minute by minute like a diary of what happened that night and uh, um it was just a nightmare so there was a lawyer who is a spearheading a major ballot audit inside Georgia's largest county uh and it's warning that irregularities apparent in that country's county's election management are horrendous and cut against the basic principle of our democracy his name is um 
Bob Cheeley, he is one of the investigators approved by the Georgia court to audit the 2020 absentee ballots in Fulton County. And uh, Cheeley called attention to what appeared to be instances of double counting, double scanning of ballots with, within Fulton's data, something that he said violates the basic principles of our democracy and smacks at the very heart of our democracy. And again, those extensive notes were taken by this hand-picked uh, monitor, election monitor, <laughs> Brad Raffensperger's own pick. And so um, I want to get into that a little bit later. Maybe we'll talk to someone in Georgia and we'll get more down in the weeds of that. I want to go to Georgia. I mean, no, sorry, Arizona. Wendy Rogers is that retired um, military, I don't know if she was a pilot, but she is a new uh, member of the, of the Arizona State Senate, and she's been monitoring the counting there on the floor. And she just issued a report. She said, if anyone still trusts the Dominion voting machines at this point, they either want fraud or they're too lazy to hand count the ballots. Uh, and she says, I was a pivotal vote for the audit. And um, she says, uh, according to the count, she said, where it's picking up daily, the pace, with more audit forensics done each day. Uh, theory, theoretically, mail-in ballots should all be of the same type, composition, and fiber with little or no variance. So if variances are seen, there should be an explanation. Uh, then she goes, um, let's see, she talked about uh, that deleted databases they talked about was missing. They have found it, but it really was deleted. It was, founded by, it was found by this uh, cyber firm. Uh, so it, it is not true that it wasn't deleted, it was. And uh, she said, this is a calling. We will overcome any and every obstacle. And so uh, Arizona is just, uh, they're determined. And uh, how interesting. Isn't that interesting? So stay tuned, fasten your seatbelts, endurance in uh, the battles that you're fighting locally. And if you live in one of these states, you might want to see how you can help the people that are doing what they can to, like uh, Pat Colbeck yesterday from Michigan. Uh, so, hey, listen, thanks for listening today. I really appreciate it. I hope it's not overwhelming, but uh, thank you for listening. Sandy Rios in the morning. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.